0: What does motion sound like? With Hands free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. The question of this week is how far the China coronavirus will spread. Welcome to a bonus episode of This Week in the CLE in which we ask a few lingering questions remaining from the biggest news stories of the week. I'm your host, Cleveland.com editor Chris Quinn. Our regular episode, Published Thursday, features our reporters and editors analyzing the week's news in detail. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. A month from now, will the China coronavirus be a forgotten blip on the news cycle radar, Or will we all be huddled in our homes, avoiding crowds, waiting for this thing to cycle out? Ohio had a jolt this week with news that two students at Miami University were being tested for the coronavirus after returning to the campus from China and having flu-like symptoms. Suddenly, a crisis half a world away was front and center in Ohio, sparking no end of discussion, concern, and questions. Because so much remains unknown about this virus, how fatal it is, whether you can be contagious for days before you have symptoms, how easily it spreads from person to person, predictions on how it might progress are all over the place. Two things are certain. One is that the numbers in China keep jumping up from 4,500 infected Tuesday to 6,000 Wednesday to 7,200 Thursday. The other is that health experts are expressing alarm at its rapid spread. In just three weeks, it hit more people in China than SARS did in 2008. The next few weeks should provide some much-needed answers about whether this will run rampant, and then the lingering questions might be about how America handles a genuine health crisis. How many people in Cleveland, specifically African Americans, will be able to prosper in the years ahead simply because Cleveland no longer will prosecute people for having seven ounces or less of marijuana. This is a big deal. Cleveland.com is trying to quantify how many people were prosecuted in the city for small amounts of marijuana over the years. City Councilman Blaine Griffin, who led the effort to change the city marijuana law, quoted research showing African Americans were charged for such crimes at seven times the rate of white marijuana users. The other question this raises is how it will affect policing in Cleveland. How many times have police used suspicion of marijuana possession as the pretext for stopping someone? Will changing this law build more trust between residents and police? This is a bold move by the Cleveland City Council, a step for social justice in a city that has been talking a lot about racial equity. So I ask again, how many people in Cleveland will prosper in the future because they are not dogged by minor marijuana convictions? How effective can Cuyahoga County's countywide plastic ban be if Cleveland does not participate? And what are people to think as they travel about this county, facing different bag rules as they cross municipal boundaries? The decision this week by Cleveland City Council to do its own thing about plastic bags means that the situation in Cuyahoga County is just a mess, and it's a mess of the government's making. First, Cuyahoga County Council adopted a countywide ban without gathering everyone affected together to build a true consensus, and then they did little to publicize the ban as the January 1st effective date approached. Then, Cleveland City Council, without putting much effort into talking with the county, unilaterally pulled out of the countywide ban temporarily to study options. Now, the city says it is permanently out. The city likely will institute a bag fee instead for both plastic and paper bags. So in much of the county, you won't be able to get a plastic bag. In Cleveland, you'll have to pay no matter what kind of bag you get. The question that lingers here is when will the leaders of this region cut out the nonsense, get together, and come up with a plan that works for everyone and serves the public who elected them? What we have here is a failure of leadership. Who in Cuyahoga County is responsible for reducing the violent crime of teenagers? Is it the county prosecutor? Is it juvenile court judges? Someone has to step up because the status quo is treating far too many teenagers as adult criminals. County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley came forward this week with data showing that the 102 youths that he had moved to adult criminal court pretty much deserved to be there. They committed awful crimes. But almost all of those 102 kids had been through the juvenile court repeatedly, meaning the system that was designed to rehabilitate them had contact with them repeatedly, but failed to help them. Judges make the decisions in juvenile court, so the failure rests most squarely with them. Are they providing the right kinds of services to get these children back on the right track? They don't even track which services work best. But O'Malley's prosecutors are in those courtrooms before those judges, so they have a voice also. If we want to reduce the number of kids being charged as adults, the system has got to make a difference way before O'Malley is confronted with the decision of taking them to adult court. Will he and the judges step up to do that? We have two striking questions about the administration of Cuyahoga County Executive Armand Budish this week. Will it ever stop making bonehead mistakes? And will it demonstrate some humanity with the low-paid workers it has harmed with its latest bonehead mistake? Actually, here's a third question. Does anyone in this administration building step back and think about the ramifications of the decisions they make? We've been talking at Cleveland.com of building a calendar of all the mistakes this administration has made over the years because we feel like we write about them almost every week. This week, we learned that the county's latest screw-up was failing to deduct the correct amounts of health care premiums from paychecks in the public works department. We're talking about janitors and landscapers here. How did the county fix this mistake? They're taking an extra $20 to $80 a month out of the paychecks of these people this year. That most certainly will feel like a pay cut. Did anyone at the county think for a moment about the hardship that causes? Did anyone in the Budish administration consider having the county eat the cost of this instead of cutting the worker pay? The one hope for these workers might be the county council. Budish might not think about how this harms the staff, but will county council step in to provide some relief? Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of This Week in the CLE. We'll be back with more lingering questions next Saturday.